0: Hey everyone and welcome to the 2024 edition of Slater Pod. Hi Esther.
1: Hi Florian, happy new year.
0: Happy new year to you and happy new year to our audience. Hope it's been a good start to the year. And uh yeah, let's get right on with the agenda today. So, we're going to look take a live Quick look at what was uh, kind of a breaking story uh, this morning. So OpenAI launched their GPT store, and we'll look into what that means potentially for translation, localization, dubbing, etc. Uh, we're going to look at the story we ran last year, uh, late last year, where Albania is considering using GPT. Uh, for translation, you're going to tell us a bit more about Duolingo firing, some translators, then we're going to revisit what was a really poor year for listed language service providers. You're going to walk us through some of the top M&A deals in 2023 and then there was a leadership change at a leading LSP uh, just recently. Now, for those of you who download this podcast right after it's out or listen to it or watch it on YouTube, you know, a couple of hours after it's out, Maybe you can still join our free research briefing happening late on Friday, January 12th, uh, late, like late afternoon Europe, kind of early morning Pacific, so check this out, free research briefing, lots of people have registered already, we're also going to be hosting another SlatorCon remote on Wednesday, March 20th, great program shaping up, Uh, we also published late last year, our final pro guide of 2023, media localization into English. Check that one out. And Esther, we are now collecting data for our index, right? For our language service provider index.
1: Yeah, that's right. So 2024 edition of the LSPI uh, is now, well, open uh, for submissions. Um, the team has been sending out instruction emails to lots of people this week, um, so yeah, look out for an email in your inbox. If not this week, then uh, next week.
0: So if you run an LSP and you want to be listed in the language service provider index alongside, you know, three, 400 uh, of your peers, do reach out, let us know, we'll list. And it's a very useful tool for, of course, buyers, but also for investors, for people that are looking at the industry at large. So um, we'll be publishing this as soon as we have most of the data. Now, this morning uh, or late last night in Europe time, OpenAI finally launched what they call their GPT store. So what is a GPT store? Well, I mean, for those of you who have played around with ChatGPT, there's now an option for basically creating your own GPT chat interface, right? You feed it with your own data, you, um, it's, qu- it's no code essentially. I mean, you, know, we could, you don't need to be a, a developer to do this, so you can feed it with your own data, you can tweak it a little bit and then you can actually share it. You used to be able to share it already late last year, like by a link to some people, but now you can actually launch it in the OpenAI's store. And hopefully make some money. Uh, I'm, I, it's very early days, but it looks like these kind of creators—I wouldn't call them developers. Let's call them like creators of G- GPTs. They get paid probably by usage, and you know, so if if your GPT becomes uh, the uh, a very popular one, you're probably going to make some money. I don't know.
1: So like a sort of YouTube channel esque type model. Probably like
0: an app store, right? It's more like maybe the the best analogy, I guess, is the Apple app store where you know maybe literally, for those of you who remember, like 15 years ago when it came out, everybody tried to get an app on the app store. I mean, s- still of course, but, um, and then, but of course, to develop an app, you need to be a developer and you need to, you have a great idea, but you also need to be a developer, now with GPTs, you don't need to be a developer. It's very kind of no code, you upload your data, you tweak it a little bit and you launch it, so it's even more about the data you have and the idea you have. Now, for those on YouTube, we're going to do a quick screen share now, and um, and for those that are listening, just uh, you know, keep listening. We're trying to make that this useful.
1: Use your imagination.
0: <laughs> so now we're on the App Store, and you see that you have like a list of things: the topics, daily writing. Those are the categories: productivity, research analysis, programming, education, and lifestyle. There's nothing else there now. Those are the the, the, the categories. You can see trending uh, GPTs, you know, the typical talk to your PDF, ask your PDF, those are among the two, then two are about AI research assistance for academic papers, Scholar AI, so those are some of the trending ones. Uh, So now let's go and look, there's a search box, let's look for translation. So we're pulling up translation, you can't hit search and get a list, but you you get a drop-down where we have about 10 um, translation GPTs, it starts with something called Gemini Ultra, apparently it has a thousand comments, academic translator to English, Chinese translate GPT, English to Indonesian informal translation. Um, is being served up here, so let's click into Gemini Ultra and see what that is. All right, running into a demo effect here, interestingly, it's not loading and we had the same issue before the podcast, so it looks like this is not really working that quickly yet for...
1: Try a different one.
0: um, I think it's a... Oh, this one seems to be popping up. Nope, also loading. Well, all right, so we stopped sharing the screen, looks like this isn't ready for prime time just yet from the OpenAI side of things. I mean, they did launch it, uh, you know, just a few hours ago, so I did play around with it before, I looked at like translation, localization, dubbing, subtitling, yeah, you get those ten options, you, you can go there. Uh, it's a little too early to see how useful they are actually going to be in, in real life, but definitely an interesting. Thing for anybody uh, who's you know who's you know interested in, in in these types of cheap and cheerful applications for now you you should look at this. I don't think it's going to be just yet like a major factor. Maybe the next six months, but it is it is going to bring a lot of like very kind of low. Let me rephrase the barrier to entry. Is basically zero now to almost any kind of language AI app. Like whether those apps end, end up being useful, you know, is, is a totally different story, but the barrier to entry is essentially zero now. You're basically you can take your data and your great idea and you put it on, you know, the, the world's most powerful LLM. So, well, I think the idea is interesting. Let's see how how it's gonna fly. Um quick news story that caught our attention last year were Albania. Uh, is considering using ChatGPT to for translation uh, of documents related to their EU accession bid. I mean, you know, when you want to join the European Union, you need to translate probably millions of documents from, in this case, Albanian, which arguably is uh, mid to low resource languages in terms of machine translation. And since the CTO of OpenAI happens to be uh, you know, ori- uh, happens to be originally from Albania. Uh, Albania's prime minister thought it was a great idea to use ChatGPT. So, um, and let's see if this actually um, is going to go ahead, right? I mean, the, the 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 headline here is that the 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 prime minister says they want to eliminate an army of translators that they would usually use, and you know, just use AI to do this. Um, now. The broader point here is, and we discussed this a couple of times on previous podcasts, that OpenAI has this insane mind share now when it comes to all kind of language AI use cases, including machine translation. And so this is a bit of a threat for the incumbent, you know, more narrow machine translation providers, because now people might just gravitate to OpenAI for everything. Another story, kind of in a similar...
1: Yes, continu- continuing the same theme.
0: Continuing the same theme is uh, Duolingo laying off translators and other contractors. What, what happened there?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, most people, many people be familiar with Duolingo, the language learning platform. Um, They appear to be cutting back on their use of human translators. A couple of sort of social media based uh, discussions, uh, like on Reddit, some threads discussing all about what's going on over there. But um, one Reddit user was saying that um, Duolingo basically offboarded what that person called a huge percentage of their contractors. Um, who did translations, um, basically explaining that the, the plan for Duolingo now was to rely primarily on AI, uh, machine translation, which obviously would save, well, in theory, save uh, Duolingo money and time. Um, but I think generally layoffs in terms of internal layoffs um, on the translation team seem to be relatively small scale. The same person said it was two translators out of four on their particular team um but there have been much wider layoffs outside of the team
0: so that's contractors so like freelancers
1: yeah i, I believe so um i think it tends to it, it seems to be mostly focused on the um yeah the contractors and the the how they're using contractors going forward um because it seems that now the translators that are still going to be working with or for um Duolingo are, Essentially going to be reviewing AI output or post-editing potentially. Um, Yeah. Uh, And moving forward, uh, they'll also have content curators as a sort of uh, job title or role. Um, These people will be checking the AI generated content, um, I guess, source content so that that content can then be translated into multiple target languages, presumably also through machine translation. the idea being that every course, so every language, every course will have the same source content there. Um, interestingly, some comment there from, I mean, not original for Slater, but some comments that we saw from Duolingo spokesperson saying, we just no longer need as many people to do the type of work some of these contractors were doing. Uh, he went on to say, or the person went on to say, part of that could be attributed to AI. Um and then there's been a bit of, um, I don't know if you could call it backlash, but some reaction from Duolingo. I think you can call it backlash. <laughs> okay, maybe I'm being too cautious here. But yeah, some backlash from Duolingo users, basically claiming that they have seen uh, already seen a decline in the quality of some of the the courses. They cited examples like mispronunciations uh, or automated mispronunciations. Because, um, you know, on the app, you can, it sort of speaks to you, so you can then mimic the the language um, incorrect translations um, and one person described it as unhinged crap for practice so yeah not holding back another person was saying i'm not paying 100 dollars a year so you can middleman me chat gpt so this is an interesting sort of turn of events i think where okay duolingo is thinking great we can reduce our costs with for translation for essentially pre- course prep um, or course development but then ultimately the users are turning around and saying well actually if you're telling me that this is 90% ai then why am i paying $100 a year for it
0: i think this is a major threat for duolingo i mean sure they they have a gazillion users i, mean, I don't know a gazillion but like 100 million users or something like lots of installs on on, on iphone android et cetera, so huge huge user base the paying user base uh, but i think yeah i think that that comment is extremely interesting. Like, I'm not paying $100 a year, so you can middleman me chat GPT. You know, yeah, I mean, there's probably a GPT being written right now that can help. Maybe not, of course, as smoothly and as nicely as Duolingo, but still, um, yeah, still does some of the the, the trick. Now, the market cap of Duolingo is $9 billion, I just checked, so that company is super, super valuable, a very, very interesting that it hasn't taken a hit at all. In fact, like if you look at one year, it's actually up, it's almost—it's more than doubled since the launch of ChatGPT, it's, it's crazy. So clearly investors aren't worried uh, about what I just said I was worried about for Duolingo. So I guess that's a bit of a contrarian take there. I mean, yeah, stocks more than double, uh, crazy. Now, one stock, not one stock, a dozen stocks that didn't double.
1: One group of stocks.
0: One group of stocks that basically halved in 2023 was LSP stocks. So the handful, roughly a dozen of the publicly traded LSPs, they quite poorly, in fact, no single publicly traded LSP. Uh, outperformed the MSCI average. So, what's the MSCI average? It's like literally the broadest possible global average for stock market performance, which was up, let me check, it was up 22%. So, you know, you invest $100 at the beginning of the year in 2023, you end up having 122 at the end of the year. If you invested in the MSCI world, the broadest possible stock average. Now, if you invested in Honyaku Center, the Japanese like incumbent LSP, you ended up with $116, if you invested in MetaReal, you earned one total dollar, so it's up 1%, but you know, then it starts declining. So AI media, the um, you know speech recognition company we had on the pot as well, uh, is down one percent,
1: but they actually recovered a lot, didn't they? AI media, they were trading quite low for a lot of the year.
0: They they were lower a bit. Um, Star down eleven. Vic Solution thirty five percent.
1: Star seven, right?
0: Star seven, yes. Uh, RWS down thirty five. Keyword Suite is forty. Straker fifty six. Uh, so basically halved. Uh, Sue Digital sixty five and Appen another seventy four and keeps going down. Now let's pluck out. A couple of these. So again, I mean, Honeyaku is interesting in the sense that it's just so stable, uh, but probably also very thinly traded. So I mean, unless they have some big developments, the stocks just kind of goes sideways, treads water. Uh, AI Media, you know, we had uh, their CEO on the podcast. So they they are now shifting to higher margin tech revenues away from services. So looks like the strategy especially late last year <clears throat> uh, is starting to be recognized more by the market, so stocks kind of going up a little bit. RWS went down really heavily in the beginning of 2023 when people you know, were worried about a lot of the big tech clients uh, cutting budgets, but then since it's, uh, it's kind of stabilized actually since April, um, except in October, they gave a trading update, then the stock like tanked like, I don't know, 30%, 40% in one day. Uh, but then really came back very quickly i think a lot of people realized that uh, it was oversold in october so now it's it's stabilized and coming back a bit
1: down by a third overall
0: down by a third overall but yeah basically flat since april so you know no, there's no momen- like no downward momentum there anymore uh, unlike with appen that just keeps going down it's worrying i mean this company might go well let's see it's 90 it's almost 99 98% or so from the peak, um, it's down. Like it's now worth like a hundred million dollars, maybe less, like eighty million dollars. So you know, maybe somebody who's really uh, adventurous can come in and acquire the company. I think they're up for sale. We spoke about it last time. Now it's it's again it's counterintuitive. You know, if you're in data for AI, how can you be um, struggling so much? I think they're just in the wrong piece of business for data for AI. But if they can make a successful pit. Uh, pivot into the type of data that these large language models need, like much more kind of highly curated, super structured, highly annotated data. Uh, that could be a major turnaround story for 2024. So, you know, again, good luck to the newish CEO in turning that ship around. Now, the one uh, loser in 2023 also was Zoo Digital, but for no fault of their own. It's just that, yeah, if your clients go on strike, it's kind of hard for you to make money. So now that all the actors and the writers are back in studios and offices, uh, I'm, you know, I, I, I expect a good good year for them. You know, content keeps flowing. Netflix has new shows, etc. So, and you know, we all know that this this is a, a vertical that's it, it's being impacted by AI, but it's one of the harder ones to like disrupt for you know these kind of feature films or major high. Uh, High budget uh, productions. Now, uh, what we're also we we also tracked, of course, M and A in 2023, and we're going to be publishing our annual summary soon. But uh, what were some of the key deals in 2023? Maybe top five.
1: Yeah, we plucked out um, five of the most impactful um, M and A deals of 2023 in an editorial piece just over Christmas. Um, So some of the ones we selected were. EVA, so Visual Data's acquisition of EVA, which is formerly known as Eclair. Um, Again, this is in the the media localization space um, with Visual Data being this large US-based private private equity-backed media localization provider, about 110 million uh, US dollars in revenue. They bought EVA, which is based in France um, with dubbing studios, accessibility services across Europe in France, Germany, Spain and brings 36 35 36 million US dollars in additional revenues um, so as you said i mean this is part of a growth market despite obviously the disruption from the hollywood strikes in in 2023 and generally quite a sizable you know uh, acquisition revenue wise for our for our industry um then we had um acquisition of a similar size but very different ta- uh, type we had yonkers the belgian based uh, language service provider being majority acquired by Private equity firm Mayfair Equity Partners, um, Yonkers. I mean, prior to the private equity deal, was um, doing super well in 2022. They grew, I think, 75 percent organically that year, um, up to again about 35 million US dollars in revenue. Um, so on a on a momentum um, going into that deal with with Mayfair. Um, Another deal um, that actually sort of flew a bit under the radar, I'd say, for most of 2023 was the acquisition of um, CQ Fluency. Um, this is U.S.-based translation provider by Aerial Alternatives. Um, this is an asset, um, well, yeah, some kind of financial investor, I think, asset management of some description. Um A bit bit of a complicated one, um, but essentially, Aerial Alternatives um, announced in a press release in November 2023 that it had acquired CQ Fluency, and they said it was to complement a prior acquisition they had made um, of Sorensen. Um, Sorensen, I think many people will be familiar with the name, but somewhat adjacent to the core of um, what we here cover at Slater. Um, Sorensen is a communications provider for um, the deaf and hard of hearing. Um, big, um, especially in the US um, and Sorensen in, when it was acquired by uh, Ariel itself, it uh, was valued at 1.3 billion um, in the deal reportedly. So then you've got this um, second uh, acquisition of CQ fluency by the, um, by the asset manager and they said to complement. That uh, original acquisition of Sorensen, um, but yeah, quite a sizable LSP um, CQ fluency in and of its own right.
0: And then there was something in Belgium.
1: Yeah, a couple of couple of uh, interesting things have had happened in Belgium in um, 2023. So I mentioned already Yonkers uh, in Belgium. Um, you had also in Belgium Elan Languages um, actually being the acquirer, so acquiring three companies in 2023. Um, that third acquisition they completed uh, was of a company called AVB Vertalingen, which is an interpreting and translation provider, about sort of 15, 16, 17 million um, US dollars in, in revenue. Um, but obviously three acquisitions in one year, probably increasingly sizable um, is really sort of bolstering Elan in terms of uh, revenue um, and also presence across um I think Netherlands, Belgium, a couple of other markets as well in Europe. Um, so yeah, interesting one to watch. Um, and then also one other we plucked out um, was EVS translations that was acquired by Unbabel in early 2023. I think the news, we covered the news in January. Um, so Vasco Pedro, was the uh, CEO of Unbabel, was talking about how digital uh, it's Germany location, or e, the, the location of EVS in Germany was strategically important for Unbabel saying, um, you know, it's going to provide strategic access to the German market and also to the broader European market. And a couple of previews as well. into 20, Well, one preview, especially into 2024, was, uh, which we covered, I think, late in 2023, was the upcoming acquisition of Cloudbreak.
0: That Health. one's complicated.
1: That one's complicated and it's big. But we'll provide follow up when it if when it closes. I
0: think they're like there was some major financial issues, and they're kind of breaking that portion out of the parent company up health, yeah, yeah, up health. This was initially a spec, you know, there's these kind of special acquisition vehicles that listed back in twenty twenty one like crazy, and I think they ran into some financial issues all right, let's close on. Leadership change at Argos Multilingual, new CEO, new COO.
1: Yep, uh, all change at the helm of Argos. Uh, The new CEO is Alexander Uchanowski. He is the former COO um, and he takes over as CEO from uh, Veronique Ozkaya, um, the outgoing CEO. She joined Argos after selling her previous company, Number of years ago, um, and Alexander, the new CEO, he also joined Ar- Argos um, from that previous company as well, from Explanation, um, which was acquired by LanguageWire, um, joining Argos back in 2020. Um, and then on the COO front, so as the as Alexander steps up to CEO, leaves a COO space, and uh, Joanna Weitz is being promoted into that role of COO. Joanna spent uh, has spent nearly two decades at Argos, so some serious uh, loyalty there. Um, rising through the ranks, um, sort of project management, management, ops director, and now promotion to COO. So, congrats to both of them, and good luck.
0: PM, huh? PM is the the, the career the career, the, a good place to start a career at an LSP in project management. We had Nick from ULG on the podcast. He started as a PM and now he's the CEO of like a $90 million company.
1: I wonder how many of those go through sales though, you know, is it the CEO role?
0: Yeah, CEO role, you, you probably have to have some sales exposure, but now here Joanna, you know, PM, ops, now CEO. Well, congrats to Joanna and Alexander and we'll spin up another pod before the end of the month, but uh, first there's uh, a couple more guest podcasts. All right, again, have a good start to the year and see you at one of the briefings or at one of the SlaterCon remotes. Cheers.